Thanks to AwesomeX.com for sponsoring The Bridge with Kira. Supercharge your immunity with LB17 and the other fine products at AwesomeX.com. O-S-U-M-E-X.com. Well, hey, I will. talking to Alistair Valdez of the metal band DMT and we're talking about healing and psychedelics and uh, fractal patterns of the universe and uh, I wanted to ask Alistair about the other healers the other people who have been forced into this sort of uh, responsibility I'm putting it in in this uh, form for our conversation that you feel that you have to help and others along the way so maybe not necessarily a, a um, your traditional type of healer but that's what you're doing if you're if you're shepherding people if you're um, assisting or um, helping others it's all for healing that's that's its purpose so Correct. yeah so I want to hear about the people that have helped you and um, the people that you've helped and and how things have come together in, in that respect for you. Um, sure. Um, so as far as um, inspiration and like what got me on this path, the, the person that brought DMT to my awareness was um, actually the author Graham Cancock. And uh, he's an author that does a lot of... Um, writes about ancient mysteries and he had this book called fingerprints of the gods where you know he goes through egypt and and just shows how all these patterns show point to this lost ancient um civilization that lived, lived a long time ago so he had this book called supernatural and in this book he actually goes and does ayahuasca with the shamans you know he wants to see what all these artists were drawing on the walls of these temples and you know and and so through reading his own process of going through this and 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 his own still ongoing process of it um he's been a great inspiration on me i've gone out and talked to him a couple of times i'll have book signings you know in our city and i've gone up and talked to him asked him questions about dmt you know specific things you know that i wanted to know by a person that's done it so so his work is is great. Um, he just put out a book called Magician of the Gods, so I know it's an extension of his work of the fingerprint of the gods, in which um, you know he continues going on about um, about this past civilization, how comets in our past destroyed our world, but um, but he still ties in his own psychedelic you know process, and so so he's a great one to really um, to to inspire you. Um, some of the 
some, I, there's another person that's a big inspiration on me, but he's not even alive anymore. He died in the 70s, and that's the philosopher Alan Watts. And um, a lot of his work, he, he did DMT, he did LSD, and all, all, a lot of psychedelics, but he had a deep Eastern tradition background. So his teachings have a lot to do with, you know, looking at the world of non-duality and, and facing unconsciousness. Um, so... So it's really a couple of these people that have inspired me. Uh, you know, beyond that, it's just my own witnessing of my own experience now that a lot of the learning goes on now. Um, as far as me helping others, you know, these posts, I think, help a lot of people. I've had people tell me they had, like, post-traumatic stress and they read something I wrote and, and it snapped them out of it for, you know, for that moment. And they realize, you know, they, they were not crazy and they have this process they have to, you know, to, to go through, you know, and, and everybody can heal, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I don't think it matters how extreme your experience was or how damaged you feel you are. If you're still alive, you still have that process to heal, you know, so we shouldn't underestimate ourselves. Um, so it's just, you know, people on Facebook, a lot of, you know, friends, a lot of times, in my family, if people are going through problems, they know they come to me, <laughs> and usually yeah. um, I'll have words to say. And it's really I just ask questions, you know. And you ask questions, and that forces people to answer, you know. And you can see they get uncomfortable, and you know it makes them have to answer, you know. Even starting off with a simple question, "Who are you?" That's the most confusing question to so many people. Who are you? You know, yeah. and a lot of a lot of people don't even know that answer. Right. And some people think they do, but they're right. wrong. <laughs> you know, well, they'll give you their name, you know, but if you type in someone's name, thousands of people have that same name. So that name is not you. You'll say, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm a mechanic. I, I'm this, I'm that. I'm a writer. I'm a radio host announcer. There's a lot of people that do that. What if you get fired? Suddenly you're not that. That doesn't define you. I want to know what defines you. Who I want to know who is looking through your eyes. You know, look at that and tell me who that is. So and no small most talk for are you. Confused. <laughs> no small talk. That? Yeah, no small talk for you. That, that those days are over. <laughs> yeah, I um, I did check out Graham Hancock's. Uh, TED Talk, the band TED Talk, where he was talking about how um, the ayahuasca ceremony, he had no, he really had to look at himself and how he was using cannabis, and exactly. and um, I thought that was really interesting, really, right. really and interesting. Um, and, he, and he'll admit it, you know, he was abusing it, it dominated his life, and he, because, because, if, you know, I feel if you do not do the work, the universe will force you to do that work, and it'll give you an extreme experience to do it, you know, so, you know, it's wise to do the work, you know, and you don't have to go through the, that extreme battle, you know, and, but unfortunately we don't do the work so you know we get conflicts all the time in our life to keep us on our toes to snap us out of just falling into unconscious patterns and how easy it is to slip into that i mean as easy as you were saying before in the first hour how easy it is to n not be aware of our own breath 
we don't uh, even notice it. You yeah. Know, the transition is gone. You know, just like when you lay down, you go to sleep, and then you're suddenly in your inner dream, you don't even notice the transition. It just, it's just suddenly happened, you know? And I know yeah. even in my DMT experience, that's the transitions were like that. I remember I just blacked out. I felt like when I died, I, I blacked out into a nothingness, a black, just like when you go to sleep and, you know, you black out into this nothingness and then suddenly, poof, I woke up somewhere else. And that somewhere else was, I don't know where. <laughs> but there was still the awareness of the nothingness. Right. You know, and so that's yeah. what carries through. If you look carefully yeah. at your life, when you're a child to here, to your dreams, to psychedelic experiences, there's this thing that carries through, you know, it's the awareness. It's that thing that's looking, you know, that thing I was saying, I want to know what's looking through your eyes. It's that, that carries yeah. through. Yeah. So, um, in, in your travels and your studies and, um, your experience with uh, DMT. What are your thoughts on reincarnation? Um, do we come back, or is it part of us that comes back? Or you know, by witnessing this process, I could see how if you're not prepared for it, you could enter it, be extremely shocked, be remorseful. You demand to want to come back. No, no, send me back. No, I didn't want. No, not yet. And I think that process is what reverses us and brings us back down here, you know. And then, you know, and then you see a baby come into the world and he opens his eyes. And the first thing he does is he cries because he realizes, oh, no, no, I have to start all over again. And now I have to start from the beginning and I can't talk to no one. And oh, and they're so frustrated. They cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some are. I, my, my son didn't cry very much um some don't i guess exactly yeah but yeah that's so the first I thing they that do that like it's, it was so warm joke, and yeah it's so you know, warm and that. dark and then now it's all light and cold and yeah <laughs> so so you know i say it sort of as a joke but it yeah. kind of falls in times with buddhist thinking and and the reincarnation goes through a process of 49 days or whatever it is and then you return back and um there's this one movie called um it's called enter the void it's kind of shocking but um it's about a process of this guy that goes through the process of death and then he kind of goes through like the tibetan book of the death levels of gateways and experiences through a re-witnessing of his own life if that makes sense Sure. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's really kind of a bizarre movie. But but at the very end, it comes full circle into that whole reincarnation thing. And I found it, that, that movie I resonated with quite a bit. Yeah, I, I definitely um, have not. I've not seen it, but I can relate to the subject matter. Just being a mom and the things that my son said to me uh, as a toddler, you know. Right. Um, you know, just sort of acknowledging that I know who you are and... I'm glad that we're back together again, and <laughs> I always look for you every time. Um, you know, and, and me like too, that. like, you know, I have two kids, and they're at that age now, you know, they're um, uh, seven and nine, so they're at the age where they're questioning things, you know, the universe and life and death, and, you know, they're starting to get that echo of conditioning from religion, you know, people telling them about God, and, you know, what's God, and this and that, and so I don't want to 
force them into believing what I believe. So I just ask them questions, you know, when they ask me, you know, what happens when you die? I go, it's the same thing when you go to sleep. What happens when you go to sleep? And, you know, I force them to look at that and look, you know, and then they'll be like, oh, okay. So you just pop up into another world. I'm like, of course. And to them, it was just like, oh, yeah, of course, no brainer. I remember <laughs> talking to my daughter when she was young, and she she told me this weird thing, but it just sounded so, um, I just resonated with it. But she just said that she remembered being in, in uh, her mother's belly and that the food would come into the belly and it would teach her things. And I was, it just sounded really um, interesting. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's true, though. Your food and she even she things. even claimed that when she came out that her brother was in there and she said, "Oh, I'm going to tell him you're in here so that they they expect you to come out." What? Yeah, yep. My son had this thing with it. He was just always in my belly before he came out. Like from the time that I began, he was just there right. with me. <laughs> hey, we don't know. But um, you know. I think that there's something to that not remembering process. One thing in the DMT experience, you know, once I died, had the life review, had the remorse, at some point, that whole this whole world just dissolved away into a non-memory, you know? And it was just me witnessing what I was going through. And I think a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I think when we die, this world dissolves away as quickly as a dream that we had as last night, you know? And so it's, I don't think we should be clinging and focusing on the details of even this life. It's your process and how you're experiencing your life, the choices you are making now. Are you becoming empowered? What path are you on? You know, do you have bliss in your heart or, you know, are you going in with conflicts, you know? And that shows you the, the path that you're on right now. Right. It does. It, and, and, you know, I'm thinking about that in terms of dreaming, you know, how this morning I, I woke up, I knew I was having a really awesome dream. And I was like, okay, remember, remember, remember. And it just kept fading <laughs> before I could write it down. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to sleep because it's Saturday. I'm going to go back and then Maybe I'll have another one. And I did remember that one. And I, I dreamt about my cats gathering around wanting me to feed them. And then I got up and that's exactly what happened. So I was like, <laughs> like they do every morning. They probably yeah. came to visit me in my dream. It was like, why are you sleeping in? It's time for us to eat. And, you know, because there's no memory of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. You know, it, it, that happened. And so I'll, I'll say just because you have no memory of a past life doesn't mean there was none, no past life, you know, I don't even remember things when I was a kid. It doesn't mean I was not a kid, you know, so memory doesn't have to exist for the, you know, something, something to still be there. Right. Yeah. And memories can always like get jarred or come back or something can mm -hmm. trigger them. So they're, they really still are always there, whether they're conscious or not, whether you remember them or not. Right, right. And and like you said, there is a reason. If you're not remembering the dream now, there's a reason. Right. So, you know, time has gotten really weird for me. You know, even though there's a calendar and there's a clock and all that stuff, I'm 
it's like I don't look at the reality and I'm not like a slave to that reality. You know, I really truly feel present in this moment and everything's always unfolding in this very moment, you know, and it, that's the way like you become a master of anything, being always constantly focused, you know, in that craft. And if you focus in your consciousness, then you're always presently ready for anything that unfolds before you. Even if you have a conflict, then you're still prepared for it. And even if you fail the test, at least you know it was just a test and you're not, you don't take it to heart and dwell on it. You know, you just move on and wait for the next one. Just like a great surfer, you know, even the greatest surfers will still wipe out, but that doesn't make them stop. You know, they'll still get up and like, all right, haha, they'll laugh it off and, and get back to the next one, you know? Yeah, that's one of the things I've been focusing on lately is, is, um, trying to just accept the negative things that happen and say, right. okay, this door is closing. This is, you know, let's not focus on the traumatic aspect of it or even my emotional response to it. Let's, let's just watch it. Right. Okay. So, and, and that's, move you know, forward. On a, that's on a personal level. And then we can see these patterns out on a bigger level and you can see how terror in the world even in America is now starting to force people to snap out of their lull and you know realize you know your bubble of privilege is now suddenly not there you know and look this is the world you live in you know start looking at what your government's actually doing out there and start looking at what's really going on in the world and you start seeing a lot of dark stuff out there many dark agendas um, or one big dark agenda depends on how you look at it uh, yeah I see I see the evaporation of the middle class as, a, as an opportunity uh, for right. uh, us all to come together so not changing the subject so who do you see coming through as the next president here and saving us. I mean, there's no, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't I'm not inspired by any of these candidates or anyone, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like uh, anyone that look that's coming in, it looks like things are going to get worse. Yeah. And, um, I, I used to get really upset about stuff like that, but now that I don't have a TV, it's really, um, you know, like I look, I take time to look at it for a little bit, but then I, I shut it off. And I can really shut it off. But I used to get really upset. And it is disturbing. If you really look at it, it's like, oh, wow, our political system is a complete and total joke. Like, that's that's scary. Um, but, you know, maybe more people realizing what a joke it all is will start seeing things for what what's really going on. You know, so maybe there's an opportunity there. Um, and to see how we're manipulated by the process rather than empowered by it and how we can empower ourselves. So this process puts a lot of jokers in front of us. Okay. I think um, really just like witnessing this whole Donald Trump phenomenon really just validates how unconscious of a society, you know, that, that we are living in. Right. Yeah. And and how we we mistake pathology for leadership qualities. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, yay narcissism. <laughs> He's like the poster book, but you know, the, the poster child for narcissistic personality disorder, and and yeah, that's what gets you there. That's exactly what gets you there. 
It's like so, I actually like watching these debates, but it's not because I'm learning about these candidates. It's just like it's just like comedy and action, you know. It's like you're just watching like a reality show, you know. You, you know they pick reality shows based on certain archetypes, and they want certain conflicts. And you, it's like you can see the different archetypes in action ooh. there, you know. So what what are the archetypes then in these presidential candidates? That's a good uh, I'm thing. not that good with like actually naming <laughs> them, but I could definitely. Okay. You know, you, I'm sure you can. You know, there's people that are just like Donald Trump. There's certain people just like Rand Paul. There's certain people just like Jeb Bush. You know, so it's not like I name them. I could just see that same you know type of pattern and other type of people. You know, and you know that's what dominates the whole business world right now. It's that type of fierce, you know, cutthroat type of being. You know, that's how these people got successful to get up there. And, you know, it shouldn't be surprising they're so evil in their thinking when it comes to policy. Yeah, and, and you know, that the thing that always I, I question is, like, how conscious is it with these people? How conscious are they of their own evil? <laughs> you know, or is it just, is it their unconsciousness that causes them to act that way? Uh, well, they're definitely, they're definitely choosing, you know, they choose to do the things that yeah. they do. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some thought put into anything they do. Um, that there's a heavy influence. You know, it's not like anybody in that power can really make any type of choice on their own. You know, they're definitely influenced to always go one way or the other. Yeah, always puppets. And, and it's that influence, whether it's their own dark thoughts or whether if it's other dark people above them. You know, it's you know, we just have to face that it is there, you know, and stop pretending it's not there. Yeah. What I see with the people who, um, who like Trump is that these are the people who are still hanging on to the idea that, that anybody can attain the, the American dream. So anybody can be a filthy rich asshole like him. Like it's a privilege to be an asshole like that. Um, um, and people want that like they want to have the right to be a privileged asshole and so that's what I'm seeing with his fans the people are like oh yeah he tells it like it is and I was like really does he really (laughs) tell it like it is I mean I think there might be a couple other people that could break things down a little better but (laughs) you'd figure you know you figure somebody would be able to to easily combat his type of mentality but you see how he's just dominating all those guys it's like you know what it is people are just so tired and bored of the cardboard politicians you know so they just it's exciting you know it's like change in a sense you know because it's not going to be the same old boring you know you know same old boring obama speeches you know right right where where there's um it's this anti-intellectualism too, um, that you don't have to be a smart person to, uh, or an educated person or well-spoken even, um, to make a lot of money and be really privileged, um, or even be the president. So, uh, I imagine that he would appeal to those people who are still clinging to that idea. The people who, who basically vote against their own entrance interests, because they're clinging to that idea that it's actually possible for me someday 
to to attain this form of privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sad thing is, I wouldn't even be shocked if he won because it's like, who's going to be on Hillary Clinton? You know, it's like, she has her own dark cloud over her, too. It's like, who are we going to, who's there really to vote for? Well, what about Bernie Sanders? I, you know, he's the only one that kind of talks the talk, you know? Um, But I'm also, I just think he's still also out of touch with that that person like you and me, the middle class, you know, like even the lower class. The he's he's still in that other realm of treating the world kind of like um, a corporation. Everything's just numbers, and you know, we got to just help this number of people. You know, it's it's not at that personal level yet. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I wonder. Really, I, mean, I mean, yeah. He's definitely, I, I would say, out of the group, he's probably the, the lesser of evils. You know, that's right? What would say, yeah. Um, but he's he's still one of the guys there. You know, he he's still in the club, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, yes. or he wouldn't be there. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> so I question. You know, is he just saying like just like Obama did? You know, is he just saying what we want to hear? Yeah, I'm going to legalize weed, and you know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. And the only way we would find out is if he won. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, that's certainly a possibility as well. Just as much as Trump winning, that's a possibility. Um, I imagine (laughs) in, in terms of popularity, there's just as many people that like Bernie Sanders as, as Donald Trump, I would say. So, so and then, you know, I, I always tease my friends that a lot of my friends um, get upset anytime you bring up gun control. So Bernie Sanders, I always tease them. I go, Bernie's going to come get your guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what I don't like about that debate is like if you question or anything or if you're like, no, I really don't. I really don't see where there's policy that's going to lead to people's guns getting taken away. Like, I'm just not seeing that. Then suddenly you're anti-gun. You know, it's like, wait a minute, I didn't say anything against guns. I just said I'm not seeing it. Like, I don't think anyone's coming for our guns. I'm, I'm not seeing that that's a danger. Like, I just They're trying. They're trying, because that last San Bernardino attack, which was just right here, you know, right by my house, you know, not too far away. And it's like, you know, the first thing out of Obama's mouth was... It's the gun, you know, the guns were the problem. Right. Rather than, you know, people not having value for life. You know, that's the real problem. Um, But I mean, we do have massive access. That's what I'm seeing. It's like everyone I know has guns, you know, multiple guns. So I, I, so like I'm saying in reality, I'm not seeing how anybody has been impinged of their right to bear arms. Like I'm just right. In my life, I don't see it. I'm not seeing that anyone's going to take that away. I see it in, like, in the media. I see that there are are certain, you know, they're implementing the conditioning. They're trying to influence mm -hmm. the masses, and you know, so they glorify all these TV, you know, all these shootings and just broadcast it over and over for days and days. So, so you know, so we get implanted with fear and, you know, and and then it's easier for them to slip in their laws. And, you know, they did right away try to slip in this gun bill and then the Republicans shut it down. Right. Yeah. And, you know, what's weird is like if we just enforce the laws that are already in place. Right. 
that so, that would be something we could do because though there's already like a lot of gun laws that are in place so right. it's not the fact that we need more laws it, it's the fact that we we already have laws to keep people from you know bad people from getting guns but they're not working so what actually is it um so I think it all, we have to take it all back full circle and how we brought back to the psychedelics and the healing and the unconsciousness. And, you know, I think if that was more brought into the awareness of everybody's reality, if we had all had access to the tools of healing, I think as a society, it, we would just naturally become a better society. The right people will start standing up and making the right decisions of what needs to be done you know so rather than trying to force these people to change i think we all personally have to change ourselves to inspire the people around us and you know it kind of has to be an inside out thing versus outside in we all have to be happy with just having a few guns and not an arsenal <laughs> <laughs> you know so I hope this whole ayahuasca church expands out, you know, and more people have access to this and can deal with their own personal traumas and pain. And I think there'd be less shootings, less violence in the world. You know, right action occurs when you're connected with your true self. Yeah. And it's not just access. That's part of it. That's part of it. Like people have access that maybe shouldn't, you know. Um, if you're somebody that flies off the handle really quick, or if you're, you know, have a lot of strife in your relationship, you might want to just put that gun somewhere else until you work stuff out. Um, right. if you're drinking a lot, you know, stuff like, you know, there's things you can do to lessen the, the, um, occurrences of tragedies that involve guns, but it's really at the bottom of it, it's value for life and, mm -hmm. and really knowing at the core of your being how sacred life is um because we all have the tools to to kill whether we have a gun or not you know if, if that's what's in your heart all right but definitely um you know when to be conscious you naturally have empathy towards other people if you if you're not connected with yourself, you're not going to care about anyone else, you know? So without that connection, you know, that's really what's missing. So, so I think there's still hope in society in the sense where, you know, the, the world can actually still be better. I think this movement of consciousness through the healing of psychedelics and self-reflection is a modern thing right now in this age. So, you know, in the past, you've seen societies get to a better level of being, being more of a collective society than just, you know, the 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 way we are now. You know, just the male dominant patterns. So, so one thing that's certain is, if we don't change on our own, the universe will force us to change with some sort of extreme experience. It could be something as devastating as some like asteroid crashing down on the earth and forcing the whole world to change, you know, which it's done over and over. Even books of religion talk about, you know, their gods getting upset at how the world is run and then wiping them out for a while and letting them restart all over again, you know, and that's what we do on a personal level all the time you know, with our experiences, you know, if you get complacent, we start getting unconscious, the universe will step in and shake you from that lull, you know. Right. So the, I hope that these uh, ayahuasca experiences lead to something better 
as well. And I've had um, some, you know, a few dreams about it, even though I've never done ayahuasca myself. I've had um, some dreams about it involving the hummingbird and uh -huh. um, a, a blue, uh, like, salamander. Uh -huh. uh, so, I mean, if, if I sort of am very passive about it, I'm, I'm like, well, if that's meant to happen, it, it will in my life. Um, right. You know, and ta I'm certainly willing to talk to people about it in their own experiences. I'm always really interested in people's transformative experiences. And I do my best not to judge... Um, how they happen, you know, um, because why things happen for a reason, the way that they happen. Um, right. yeah. So one of the things I noticed about the video that you sent me is just how happy these people were. <laughs> they were just so excited <laughs> about life and that was, that's great. Right. Some people, they go to the, you know, the jungles of Peru, some of them, you know, this is like their last resort, you know, I remember seeing a video with Lindsay Lohan, she going, you know, with her, you know, train wreck of a life, you know, she, but she speaks of having this moment of clarity and go, having to step through and witness her own past trauma that, you know, and then speaking of how that's helped her give her tools, you know, to lead a better life, whether or not she's still doing it or not, it's a different story, but at least at that moment, you know, it gives you that chance to, to, you know, to expand who you are beyond today, you know, that, that's our problem. We always think we're trying to become something, you know, in this moment, but we, we're, we're not supposed to just be something, you know, like, oh, I made it. One thing, we're never going to get to that point where we look in the mirror and say, I've achieved it. I'm finally there. You know, it's like, it's always expanding, always evolving, you know, and through these past lives we've had, whether or not we've had them, you know, one thing is certain is we're still learning, 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 you know, that old line, you know, learn as if you're going to live forever, but live as you're going to die tomorrow. Right. And we're still healing, healing, healing. Like that process never stops either. Yeah. <laughs> That's what living is, you know, it's healing and it's dying at the same time. Um, yeah. So notice, though, when you heal, you usually you heal stronger than you were before. You know, like mm -hmm. when people lift weights, you're actually tearing your muscle. And then when that muscle heals, it's bigger and stronger, you know. So that's the thing, you know. We do have to go through these ex extreme experiences. The wisest people on the earth had the opportunity to make those choices and learned to do that. That's how you get wise, you know. You don't get wise reading books of of ancient people that were wise, you know. It's, you know, you're not going to get wise reading the Bible or anything like that. It's how you apply those tools in your everyday life. That's how you become wise. Right. And how, um, you know, the, these transformative experiences, they connect us as well because everybody's had an, a transformative experience and you want to share it. You want to go, hey, look, I was, I was here and now I'm over here. Right. And that's amazing. Right. Like, from here to right. here look and someone says yeah i was here and now i'm here and you know it connects you it connects you back not only to yourself but to community and to others right. and it's not like i have to go out and seek people it's like there's already people seeking for tools of healing so you know if you're out there putting out work you know there's people that seek radio shows like this you know because they're just tired of listening to the same old droll you know so you know 
you know, because you're putting out these tools, you know, sometimes people are getting help that we never will even meet or hear from, you know? So these little ways that we cast out, they do cast out ripples and it is changing stuff, whether it's in this lifetime and we see it or not, just like all the ancient people, you still hear their words today and their words, you know, change the whole world. Yet they live, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. So when, when you were having your experience, did you see, uh, did you have any type of insight to this sort of uh, multiple realities uh, at the same time or, or how seemingly opposing multiple realities? Did you, did you get shown that as a, at all in your experience? Well, it brought to the awareness how we are multidimensional and we couldn't even see this, how we can be in this reality, but we can also daydream and have this other layer of of visionary reality kind of, you know, inside us sort of, you know, kind of behind us and how the two kind of intermingle. You can even be so stuck in your daydream that you even don't even realize what's going on in this world and you're in that dream world. So just looking at that, it, it showed me how other layers of dimensions are kind of like almost like touching each other, you know? It's kind of like layers that are stacked up like the onion. So each of those layers sort of affect the few layers that are surrounding it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, the interaction. So, you know, so some people will look out in space and just see planets, a sun and planets going around. But when I look out at the sun, I see this deity with dimensions of layers around it. And each planet is almost like the deity of that layer of dimension. That's his little like layer. And, and, And I can see how maybe in psychedelic worlds, these are like the layers that we're going through. And there, there are like different levels in a sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and then you look at the ancients and they saw the planets and the sun as gods and refer to them as their deities and, you know, and they would use psychedelics and, you know, communicate with these outer sources. Yeah. And, and the way the universe is connected and how, uh, you know, this light is traveling through space and time to get to you. And w- w- how special is that? Just the, the right. miracle of that of all of this, um, you know, the, it blows my mind. It really, really does. I know. We just overlook, you know, I don't want to say how small we are, but just how vast the universe is and just how many galaxies and planets and just life is out there. And then, but is it really in that or is, are all these really just dimensions and that space that divides everything? It's, you know, it's like you could see it different ways. You know, I think it's so vast, our minds just cannot comprehend it. I like how some people take a picture of, like, the workings of a brain, the inside, and match it with the networks of stars and galaxies, and the patterns are, like, almost the same. It's almost like the universe is, like, a big mind, you know? And that was one insight I did get. I felt like the layers of dimensions can also be seen like a mind inside a mind inside a mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like we're, and, and the whole macrocosm, microcosm thing, how many different ways you can see that uh, right. is incredible. 
Uh, I did want to ask you, we have about 20 minutes, about 15, 20 minutes left, um, about your connection with the natural world and what, what your insight was about that, about, um, basically this planet that we're on. Um, I think, you know, the sacredness of, of our connection to living on this, this planet rather than any other ones. Any other ones, you know, um, so, you know, with the DMT, you know, definitely looking at other people, you can see, you know, it makes just everyone very, very equal because you can see the divine nature in everyone, you know, it's not the same anymore. So it, it's like, it's hard to judge. It's like, I, I, the, the message I got was seeing kind of the, the purpose of this life of my incarnation at this point. So sort of doing the work, you know, I could, I could see now the path that's unfolding into what it's becoming. So I know there's these bigger battles going on, darker evil forces, you know, you know, going on for the, the, the control of the planet in a sense. And that's what this whole chaos is on this planet. That's the waves that are going on at the cosmic level or affecting what's going on in this world. So I think the message from the divine is that we're supposed to just work on our own personal consciousness, inspire others. That will radiate out. And then with that, things will start changing on their own. That balance will shift at that cosmic level once there's more people on this planet doing that conscious work. So I could see, you know, I could see why great spirits come back to this world because there's still more work to be done. It's not done yet. It's it's getting there, but it's it there's still more work to be done for us. And so it, do you feel like the work is embodying that that lesson? So the more you are able to incorporate and embody that lesson, the more inspiration that you give to others to embody their lessons. Correct. So I guess like you're saying, so like the, 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 it's like by living it, that is the message, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you have to, you have to, to don't just talk about it, you know, be about, it, you know, actually do it, you know, so yeah. that, that is the lesson, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, I'll start the diet next week. I'll start the diet Monday, you know, but dreaming about the future saying, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get into consciousness, you know, sometime. Yeah, that'll get, I'll get around to it. It's like, no, it's like you're, when you awaken, when you finally figure things out, you know, when that light bulb turns on, it's going to be in the present moment. It's going to be in this moment you know so it's like if you're not working and doing it now you're not on that path now you're never going to get there and when that when your shadow sort of you know taps you on the shoulder it's not because you sent a a cordial invitation (laughs) (laughs) so you know so when you start doing the work you know you start to looking at the spectrum of being it's not about denying our light or dark side you know it's about realizing that we do have this spectrum you know all the archetypes in the world are all within us you know and we could tap into and become any of those things anytime we choose we just most of us are just held by fears we we, we expect to be only showing this type of 
personality. And if we act a different way, people even react differently and say, you know, what are you doing? That's, that's not you, Kira. Why are you acting that way? You know, but we have access to being anything. You know, you'll see it in a drunk person. The drunk person will show a different archetype completely, you know, than what they normally show. But it's just something that's inside them that's hidden, you know. So it's an extension of themselves. So by realizing that you have this darker energy, you can start working on utilizing that energy as a tool, you know, so instead of just raging out in anger, using that extreme energy, you know, to in a, in a positive form. So like for me, the music is how a lot of that 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 energy is expelled, you know, in my in the message and the whole intensity and the aggression of the music and the yelling and the, you know, just it's like an extreme workout in a sense, you know, just putting everything you have into it and. And then pretty much the rest of my life is um, as passive as you'll ever meet, you know. Um, so that I think that's what that's how you become empowered. You're not a slave to the unconscious reactions. You're not a slave to that shadow. You actually can shift it, you know. Sort of like in these movies, like Avatar, you jump on the dragon and you become part of it, and then you can use that energy to for your, you know empowerment and betterment for doing better things in this world you know um when i the first two shows that i did with you uh -huh. um i uh i got some really good feedback but then there was also this other side <laughs> where it was like how dare you how dare you do a show <laughs> show about that and i and it made me realize i'm spending a lot of time online with people who really aren't very open-minded who really aren't trying to um, discover anything else. They've got it figured out, you know? Right, right. Um, so it really started me on this journey of, um, well, now what? <laughs> um, now what? So um, I'm glad that we've continued this conversation uh, throughout time. Um, it's... Wait, it's you it reminds me, like, even, like, with my music, I'll get a lot of negative feedback because people expect it to be all peaceful and, you know, they don't expect all this aggression to come <laughs> at them. But I'm like, right. all right, so, but that's more like what DMT is like. It's expect the unexpected, you know. It's like, it's, right. it, it, you know, that's my motto in life. Expect the unexpected, you know. So when something goes wrong, it's like, of course, you know. You know, when you stub your foot, it's like, ah, oh, you know, you were still upset. It hurts, but you're like, ah, oh, you got me, you know? And you're um, a, like a juxtaposition. So your your persona is very um, welcoming and peaceful and nice. And then you have this really, really hardcore music and um, this other expression. And so it people are like, wow, you know? Um, so you can say that's living the spectrum, you know? So right. My, my posts are, you know, are a little bit more positive, and then I also have this dragon energy, I guess you could call it. It's kind of my, my voice of judgment that I had during my experience was very stern and aggressive, and that is that energy I'm, I'm resonating with and when I'm singing my message. It's kind of like... Um, almost like that voice of judgment, you know, it's kind of forcing you to look at what, what you're doing, you know, forcing you to look at things, you know, it's like a stern father or somebody that, you know, that, that, um, disciplines us very aggressively, you know, with that kind of 
intensity, but still with a loving intent in the background, you know, it's doing it because of the healing process. Definitely. And that's what I, I uh, resonate with you about. I ha I also am very much of a juxtaposition myself in that I have a very calm voice and, um, but some of my writings are pretty intense. And then, um, just my physical presence is, is, can be overwhelming for people. Um, just being a tall female and, um, it sort of takes people by surprise. They think me to, they think I'm sort of more demure or something like that. I don't know. And then they meet me and they're like, wow, you're like an Amazon. Holy. You seem so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Though, um, you know, on stage, you know, I'm fierce and I'm aggressive and my hair's flying around. But, you know, off, once I'm off stage, I'm just calm and passive and people, people are shocked by that. It's funny. <laughs> and it's important to, I think the more that we can, uh, like you said, live the spectrum. I think that's important. I think people are inspired by that too, because uh, we all try to put ourselves in these boxes um, and we get... Uh, we get caught up in um, not being able to fit in that little box, you know? Right, um, right. So, like, utilizing that energy, you know, it kind of, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm fearless, but it definitely makes me less fearful to post stuff, to say things, and to reach out and try to create new things, you know? So, that's the whole thing about that spectrum and having that balance within you. It empowers you, you know, in your life to do whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you know. Even if it's at a small dead-end job, it'll empower you to either leave it or to step up in that, you know, space and, and become something more, you know. Which is great. Which is great. So any last thoughts? I know we only have a few more minutes left. Is there, there anything else you wanted to get to that we didn't quite get to? Like tell people how, how they can get in touch with you or uh, hear your music or... Um, so the best thing is probably my Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Alistair Valadez, which is A-L-I-S-T-A-R. V-A-L-A-D-E-Z and then um, you could check out my the band page which is dmtmetal.com and then through there if you wanted to email me, ask me any questions it's alistairvalidez at gmail.com other than that I've been working on a book for the last since, since 2012 putting a collection of all these writings I've been putting together and just trying to put it in some form of a book so eventually I'll, I'll have more tools to be spreading out you know to help to help people you know with um facing their shadow that's that's what it is you know to me a divine moment of truth is when you face your shadow oh I couldn't agree more yeah I've had I've had quite, since the last time we talked I've had a lot of opportunities to do that um. <laughs> it weren't fun. It sure weren't fun. You're, you know, and that's the thing. Like we're always changing. We're not the same we are yesterday. We're not going to be the same tomorrow. You know, I'm sure you're probably more empowered than you were when we last spoke. And I'm at a different mindset. You know, and everything is just evolving. You know. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. And I, I'm. I think that we should continue this conversation because. 
uh, I'm sensing a whole new you as well. And we have to be, <laughs> we have to be patient too, because we have um, these other lives and we have to um, support our families and eat and pay bills and, but still find time for our creative outlet. Um, right. It takes a lot of patience and, and a lot of um, ability to, to, um, you know, just keep putting the work in knowing that it's going to, to, to manifest into something really right, important. Right. right. Like I can see, I can see my path evolving, you know, I can see like where it's leading to sort of, I always have these dreams and visions of like giving lectures and having my own podcast or radio show and things like that. But, you know, I don't know how it's going to get from point A to B, you know, so I'm just kind of letting it unfold because I, I guess that vision is still vivid in me. And then it, it's kind of like each day is a step towards that. Yeah, I, I also have been seeing uh, presentations and things like that for myself. Um, I would love to do that. And I think that we need more conferences and, and opportunities for people like us to get together and, and um, you know, meet each other in person and, and, and talk more about uh, these kind of things that are going on in our lives and that we're thinking about. I would love to, I don't know, I would love to have a shaman come to my house and set up a little church and, you know, <laughs> who knows, maybe that'll happen too. It'd be like a return to the tribal societies. So like the tribal societies would be the little village with the shaman, you know, like always assigned to that city, you know? Yeah, to the people, because the people yeah. say this is, this is our our shaman who takes care of us right. yeah in this world and the other one <laughs> or the other ones <laughs> so yeah so you know even in that process I think we need help in the transition um, I don't know if you know like the stories of Aldous Huxley you know he, he's an old um, psychedelic um, writer um, Brave New World. He wrote some book, great books. But um, when yeah. he died, he had his wife inject him with LSD as he was dying. So I, I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah, Timothy Leary as well um, went out on LSD. Yeah. Um, from from so, the stories I've heard, and right. um, yeah, that's because they felt you know they've worked with it all their lives. They felt you know that these psychedelics are sort of that bridge, you know, between this world and the other world and, you know, and, and they utilize it in their life as that tool. They developed it. So when they died, they were prepared as a ritual ceremony, just like the ancients did, you know, they, it was very ritualistic and it helps in that transition. I think a lot of people that die, die cold in a hospital, you know, that shouldn't be the way we're transitioning. That's why there's so much reincarnation and overpopulation. You know, we, it's like, we, we need that, that help crossing over, you know, even when we die, we're still, we can still hear, there's still that, that, that bridge, you know, that still connects us and, and there's still help, words of encouragement, you know, you know, anytime you go, you're dealing with something you're about to go through, it's always good to help that reinsurance and backing behind you, you know, just to affirm and help push you through, you know? Absolutely. I find it um, horrifying to think of people transitioning without their family around them without um right. you know the support that you you would expect um in such a situation and you're talking about the difference between consciously dying too and 
or consciously letting go of this world and embracing the next. And right. well, with that, um, we're going to transition to the next show. <laughs> Y'all stick around. I'm sure we have another great show coming up next. And thank you so much, Alistar, for joining me again. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm.